and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our text today will be taken from the reading from Ephesians as we conclude our series on the book of Ephesians today. We begin with the word of prayer. Almighty God, in your mercy, you have gathered us here that we might hear your word and believe your truth, that the victory does indeed belong to Jesus Christ, that our foes, sin, death, and the devil have been conquered, and life has been promised to us in your name. We pray this day, O Lord, that you would grant us your Holy Spirit and teach us what it means to stand firm in the midst of the battle, clothed in the robes of Christ. Bless us in Jesus' name as now, Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts will be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Kind of a fun song to sing for us here this morning, and it's actually really a, it's a joyful Easter hymn. I don't know if you were paying close attention to it, but, but I love the contrast there of, of here's the accusations followed by the rejoice and sing for whatever is against us has been conquered by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It, it's just a beautiful hymn. And there's something kind of special about this hymn for us today. Uh, I actually know the author of the hymn. Uh, he will be joining us today in our second service. His name is uh, Pastor Elijah Litzow. Uh, Eli is, a, is an old friend of mine. I've known him since high school. Uh, as it turns out, he married into the Flugi family. He is a Flugi son-in-law. Uh, and uh, he was here yesterday for a, a wedding, a renewal of vows that we actually had here at the church. And he said, hey, I wrote this hymn. Would you be interested in singing it when I come on Sunday? And I said, oh, sure, I'll take a look. And it's just wonderful how well this hymn matched up with our theme from Ephesians chapter 6 today. So kind of, a fun, kind of a fun song for us to sing here today, but I do love the theme of the hymn, the great good news of Easter, that Jesus in his dying and his rising has won victory over all of our foes. Listen again to what we just sang. Rejoice and sing, for Jesus is living. Rejoice, cry out, for he is alive. The serpent's head is crushed by a heel, never again to accuse. Easter message could not be clear. Jesus has conquered sin, he's conquered death, and for our purposes today, he has conquered the devil. These three defeated foes no longer have power over you, for you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. In this great battle between Satan and God and his work, God has won. The victory belongs to Christ. In his dying and his rising, he has crushed the head of Satan. Satan no longer has authority over us. We are, you might say, the spoils of war whom Christ has rescued from Satan's slavery. I'm reminded of, a, of another wonderful Easter hymn uh, penned by a gentleman by the name of Paul Gerhardt who was a sort of a 17th century uh, Lutheran theologian. And, and this is what he says. Now hell, its prince, the devil, of all their power are shorn. Now I am safe from evil and sin I laugh to scorn. Grim death with all its might cannot my soul affright. It is a powerless form, however it raves and storms. Though today we do not find ourselves in the Easter season, we do want to remember that every Sunday is a little Easter here at church. Every Sunday we celebrate the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And though we are in the season of Pentecost, the season of Pentecost does not change the Easter message, but it is that time when we go forth proclaiming the Easter message, that sin, death, and Satan are defeated foes. Christ is risen. Jesus is living. Alleluia. The victory is his, therefore the victory is ours. 
But it does not stop Satan from attacking. It does not stop him from employing the world in our flesh to convince us otherwise that Christ is not victorious. That is the lie Satan would have you believe. And though Christ has defeated Satan, he is continually attacking and he is continually dangerous. Uh, St. Peter describes it this way in his letter. Your adversary, the devil, prowls like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. He's defeated, but he's hungry. He's coming after the baptized. This means that the Christian life is not one that is constantly described as like victorious Christian living, but it is one that is under attack. As we've talked about around here recently, our lives are mirrored more like Jesus after his baptism. Christ, after he comes out of the waters of baptism, is immediately taken into the wilderness to be tempted. For you and I, once we are baptized, we are brought out to be tempted by Satan. In baptism, you see, God grants you forgiveness, he grants you life, he grants you salvation, he adopts you into his family, he crucifies you with Christ and raises you to a new life, and he gives you all of these wonderful gifts. All of this you receive in baptism, but you must understand that also in baptism, you receive a very wicked foe. For to be baptized is to be loved by Christ and hated by Satan, and to be hated by Satan is to be under attack. Sure, the attack of a defeated foe, but it is attacked nonetheless. So today, as we come to the conclusion of this book of Ephesians that we've been working through this summer in our, in our summer series, what we find is that St. Paul, like a good field general, is preparing us for the fight. He's equipping us with what we need, the armor we're going to need to wear in order to stand firm on the day of attack. To stand firm, as he says, against the schemes of the devil. And we need to be very clear on something here, because there seems to be a lot of confusion about this in the church. Our battle, as Paul says today, is not against flesh and blood. We're not taking up a literal fight with guns and bombs and swords and what have you. We're not fighting between nations. No, this is a war of a spiritual nature. Against the spiritual forces of evil, Paul calls them in the heavenly places. Those forces, whatever they may be, that are aligned to assault the baptized. These attacks will come our way in evidence. And since no good soldier enters the battlefield without protection, St. Paul today, and really the Holy Spirit today, shows us how he has clothed us in the armor of God to protect us on the day of the fight. So what I want to do today is I want to walk us through the various pieces of the full armor of God so that we might see how it is that God actually does protect us and uh, provide for us on the field of battle. But I want to be very clear on something before we get into all of this. If we look at the nature of this battle and how God arms us to fight, we have to be very clear on something. The battle does not need winning. We are not fighting to conquer the world for the sake of the kingdom of God. We are not fighting for our salvation. Christ did all of that already. Your salvation is done. It is secured in Jesus Christ. The kingdom of God is established in the coming of Christ by the preaching of his word, and there's really nothing that can stop that, but Christ has already established that in his dying and in his rising. You are not on the offense here but purely on the defense. You've already been rescued from the dominion of darkness. You are already now living in the kingdom of Christ's marvelous light. 
But you have to understand that that marvelous light kingdom is being attacked. And so we need to stand firm. Stand firm in the promises of our baptism. Stand firm in the promises of from the bloody cross and the empty tomb. The victor is the Lord. You have been won. Therefore, stand firm in this truth while the assault comes your way. Paul writes, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, to stand firm. So as the devil comes and he tempts and he tries and he ravages and he rages and all of these sorts of things, how is it that the Holy Spirit has equipped us to stand firm? Well, first, he's given us what we will call the belt of truth. The belt of truth. Satan is a liar. He is the father of lies, Jesus says. That is his native tongue. That's how he speaks. The devil will come to you and he will lie to you. He will say things to you like, Jesus hasn't done enough to save you. Or he'll say things to you like, you're not good enough to be in the kingdom of God. You'd better work harder if you want to be loved by God and accepted by this church. He will say things to you like, you know, Jesus may be a savior, but not for you. And let's be honest, did he really even exist at all? And if he did, all this stuff that's written about him is probably just embellished and overdone. That's all kind of nonsense. And the devil will come at you with all of these lies. So the Holy Spirit gives you the truth. Eyewitness accounts written down on the pages of Scripture to tell you exactly who Jesus is and what he came to do and how all of this has been accomplished for you. And that is the truth. His living, his dying, his rising, all of that was done for you and for your salvation, regardless of the lies of the devil. So you have the belt of truth. Then to protect your heart in this fight, you receive what we call the breastplate of righteousness. Breastplate of righteousness is an interesting language. Righteousness is a huge word in the scriptures, and it is our righteousness that the devil, of course, would attack. The devil would come to you and he would say, you are not righteous enough. You need to work harder if you want God to declare you to be righteous. If you want to earn God's favor to be justified, is the language we like to use, you'd better get to work. You haven't done enough to be right in the eyes of God as it Christ drives such nonsense away. The devil will come to you and say, you are far too sinful to be considered righteous. And Jesus says to you, listen, I took that label of unrighteousness upon myself when I died on the cross in your place. I took your unrighteousness. I was the unrighteous one so that I might declare you to be righteous. And my declaration, says Jesus, is far stronger than the lies of the devil. You are justified. You are righteous on account of my dying and my rising for you. And that promise of righteousness guards our hearts like the breast. Next, we receive feet fitted with the gospel of peace. Here's what the devil wants you to do. He wants you to move. He wants you to run. He wants you to hide. And so he fills your ears and your minds and your hearts with anxieties and fear all day long. But you have nothing to fear. Because you have peace with God. You've been reconciled to the Father through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And so your feet stand firm, ready for the attack, knowing that you have peace with God. And from that, nothing can move. This language of having feet fitted, I think, is interesting because I read it, and initially I think to myself, like, you're putting on tennis shoes to run into the battle or something like this. Pastor Matt actually told me something this week that I found really interesting. But to have your feet readied in the ancient world for the Roman soldiers, what it meant was is they would take nails and they would drive them kind of through the soles of the feet 
And then you would put on the, the sandals or the, the, the shoes or whatever so that your feet were really gripped harder on the ground. They were like first century cleats. So that when the attack was coming your way, you weren't slipping and sliding all over the place. You could grip and stand firm and make sure that you weren't falling down. And it's a wonderful picture. You stand firm like that on the gospel of peace and Satan cannot move you from this. He throws darts of doubt and despair your way. He ravages the world and makes it look like everything is falling apart. But Christ comes to you with His promise of forgiveness. He comes to you with this promise of salvation. And these promises protect you like a shield and like a helmet. He gives you the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation to protect you from the assaults that are coming your way. The darts fly from the devil, but we stand behind Christ trusting Him to protect us. And though the devil would seek to remove us from our salvation with God, you're given the promise that nothing in all of creation can separate you from the love of God that is yours in Jesus Christ, your Lord. Jesus is not about to hand you over, but He holds you tightly in the palm of His nail-piercing. You are saved. And yet, though the devil attacks, he does put one weapon in our hand. Jesus gives us His Word, the Bible. As Rachel told us today in the children's message, this is our sword of the Spirit. Be clear, for the kids, that doesn't mean you carry a Bible around and hit people with it over the head. That's like against the rules. That's not what we meant uh, by that. Sort of the Spirit is there for you so that you might be able to discern truth from error, the lies of the devil from the truth of God's Word. So the devil comes tempting you into sin, and the Word of God lightens the path for you so you see clearly that what he is tempting you to is false and what God is leading you to is true. The devil comes attacking you with your sins and accusing you of all of your guilt. The word of Christ, the gospel, comes to you and says, your sins are forgiven and you are washed in the blood of the Lamb. Satan accuses, but Christ forgives with his word. Satan lures you into temptations in darkness. Christ lights your path with his word. It is the sword with which we fend off the lies of the devil. And then finally, in all of this, Paul says, and equipping us with the, with, the, with the full armor of God, he gives us this gift of prayer. I started to think to myself, like that part seems a little bit out of place to me. Like you got all this armor, all this battle conversation, and then we're talking about prayer all of a sudden? What does prayer have to do with battle? And then I started thinking about every single person I've ever heard who was actually on a battlefield or is actually in a foxhole. You know what they do a lot? They pray. Because when the battle is raging around you, what you realize is, look, everything out here is far too much for me. And I need someone stronger, and I need something far more powerful if I'm going to endure the day of battle. And so Christ gives us this prayer that we pray to the Father. And we cry out, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And our Father in heaven hears this prayer and smiles and says, yes, dear child, I hear you. I am your dear God and almighty Father. Satan will not conquer. So there you have the full armor of God, Christ equipping you with everything you need for your salvation in the day of battle. But all of this has been promised. The salvation is yours. The forgiveness is yours. The life is yours. And no matter what the devil would say to you, he cannot take these things away. For Christ indeed is risen from the grave and he cannot reverse them. He cannot reverse the promises and the salvation of Jesus Christ. And with such a victory promised to us, what are we left to do but sing? 
but sing wonderful songs of Easter and victory. And really, when the devil comes attacking and the temptations are overwhelming and the depression is weighing you down and everything is just so dark, maybe it's time to simply pick up an Easter hymn and sing. For the devil hates the songs of Christ. The songs of Christ's victory are funeral dirges for Satan and his foes. Christ's victory, after all, is his defeat. In glad songs of the tents of the righteous, Sing of his demise. You, dear saints, you are the singers. You are the victorious choir. You are the spoils of war purchased and washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, your Lord and your King. So as we sang earlier, rejoice and sing, for Jesus is risen. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, in your mercy, you have given us victory over sin, death, and the devil. And Lord, though temptations and trials do come, you equip us for the day of battle and you promise us the victory. Help us, therefore, O Lord, to stand firm upon your word, trust your promises, and cling to you all the way to the day of our salvation. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.